Akashika. In the spirit of inclusion, I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is being recorded today. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Namaste and welcome to the first episode of the Diaspora podcast. Today at 18 million, India has the largest diaspora in the world. United Nations said the Indian diaspora is one of the most vibrant and dynamic in its recent International Migration 2020 highlights. These days, the most trending person of Indian heritage is the elected Madam Vice President of United States of America, Ms. Kamala Harris. Did you know Indian diaspora in United States of America is set to welcome the U.S. President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris on Inaugurational Day? The Indian diaspora is making thousands of column tiles at U.S. Capitol to help heal the divide. 2020 has been different. 2020 started in Australia with bushfire crisis and a few months into it, Australia was in an economic and health crisis. The diversity of events across the globe were ranging from Brexit to gender issues to the South China Sea to the great American election and the continued COVID-19. Meanwhile, in India, the world's new emerging soft power, the year has been precarious. On 30th January, COVID-19 was confirmed in Kerala. In February, United States President Trump visited India in a two-day visit and he visited the Mahatma Gandhi's ashram in Gujarat. We also had the Australia's then-trade minister, Simon Birmingham, visit India. Speaking in Mumbai, where he led the major business delegation, Trade Minister Simon Birmingham said, Australia-India relations are more important than ever as coronavirus slashes Chinese trade. Prime Minister Scott Morrison also mentioned the need for closer ties with India, where he was due for a visit in January but was cancelled due to bushfire crisis. India is the fastest growing large economy in the world and remains Australia's top-tier trade partners with $30 billion two-way trade in 2019. In March 2020, Prime Minister Modi announced a 20 one-day lockdown to prevent the spread of coronavirus. India's extended lockdown remained in check throughout April 2020. In May, the most wanted terrorist Riaz Naiku of the Hezbul Mujahideen was killed by the Indian security forces. Cyclone Amphan and Nisarga in the east and west coast hit India's coastal lines with much damage. In June 2020, India won a two-year seat on the United Nations Security Council and India banned 59 Chinese apps due to ongoing Sino-Indian border tension at the Galwan Valley. In June 2020, the President of India promulgated the three ordinances to the Agricultural Bill that was passed in the Parliament. And then India and Australia held the first virtual bilateral summit between Prime Minister Modi and Prime Prime Minister Morrison, where they upgraded their 2 plus 2 dialogue 
to sign the Mutual Logistic Support Agreement and also another pact on cooperation in mining and rare earth minerals. The two Commonwealth nations elevated their ties to a new comprehensive strategic partnership and vowed to deeper Navy-to-Navy cooperation with shared interest to secure the Indo-Pacific region. In July, Prime Minister Modi visited the India-China border in Ladakh. And amid all this, India's aggressive neighbours continued their vicious attacks in Pulwana at the Jammu and Kashmir border. By now, the number of confirmed COVID-19 cases in India were over 1 million. COVID has really changed the way the world thinks today. And with the growing India-Australia partnership, agriculture and national security at the crux to Australia-India comprehensive strategic partnership is critical for both India and Australia. This episode covers how India's efforts to reimagine its borders, its boundaries and its farmers with a trolley to a drone is so vital. Let's have a listen to Mr. Vijay Sanavane who was the former IAS officer of India and assisted Prime Minister Modi in his times as Chief Minister of Gujarat implement the Agri-Bill reform. I begin the change. In change, I mean reforms. Change is eminent and it is difficult to accept. That's what Bhagavad Gita has preached us. Uttam Kheti Madhyam Vepar Kanishtha Nokri. This was Chanakya. I will not translate, but he means agriculture is best. Farming looks pretty when your plow is pencil and you are miles away from the cornfield. This was Eisenhower. So, this were regarding the uh, uh, great people. India, as you know, was liberated from British Raj in 1947. We became sovereign. On 26 January 1950, we adopted constitution. The constitution has laid down free trade and commerce for all. And uh, it has been in that spirit we have been doing, but not much till 1991 when we signed WTO. The industry and the international trade got uh, free from the license raj. The controls, unfortunately, agriculture did not. In between, there was an attempt by Prime Minister Moraji Desai in 1977 to deregulate the agriculture and other movements, which was called License Raj. But it all vanished with his government, lasted only for few years. In 1991, when we signed the WTO, the farmers ought to have been liberated, but it did not. And later on in 2003, we passed or circulated one model APMC Act, and that also did not find except Bihar government abolished the APMCs and rest were just moving around. We were star population India till 1965, but with the great revolution, we could manage ourselves and now we are food surplus. FCI goes, got as of today 2 lakh crores of worth grains in the stocks and uh, this stock is piling up. This is just because of green revolution and thanks to the farming community of India. Farming, basically in Haryana and Punjab, who are agitating as of today and because of whom this act has been 
in highlight limelight uh, punjab haryana grows basically wheat and rice in most of the part whereas madhya pradesh wheat grows equal amount of wheat and rajasthan also grows wheat rice pulses and other products uttar pradesh also but they are not agitating because they are diversified and punjab has reliance on the fci that is food corporation of india and putting all the eggs in one basket is not good with that intention the reforms have been introduced the farmers produced trade and commerce promotion and facilitation act that has come into being farmers agreement on price assurance and farm services empowerment has come into act which is called contract farming and essential commodities act all these acts were introduced by way of ordinance in june of 5020 2020 and later on in september they become act when the parliament gave uh, assent and president of india signed it now what are the salient features of these acts instead dealing with the act the salient features will be more useful it provides buyers a broad base buyers broad base naturally farmers also has a broad base the better pricing no stock limits no license scope to improve infrastructure transport and other facilities gramin hats are also envisaged in this bill now coming to the point to point the better price realization is one of the idea behind this no stock limits as i said is a mandatory infrastructure ought to be there the private godowns private stockyards private processing all is expected because we are heading for private markets we are heading for free economy if there can be a free economy for the industries why can't there be free economy for the uh, agriculture also expected gramin hearts no says no taxes from the states contract farming will be invoked increased competition by way of uh, other lateral uh, uh, intrusions that is private uh, of farm of buyers Cartelization will be removed. Electronic trade is also envisaged. And let me tell you, with this type of uh, things, ITC in Madhya Pradesh near Gopal, Sihor, they have got e-chopal and they are doing wonderful. Followed by the ITC came the Ruchi Soya. They also did wonderful. Balaji Food Stuff that is in the potato. They are also doing excellent in contract farming in Gujarat. and mccain and other things are also there now apmc was there because earlier prior to 1965 we were starved we did not have much of the food gains so pl48 was the main source of food gains for india we gradually came to the stage where we are now surplus and we are looking for the global markets our agriculture as of today is the best but it is to be given boost it is to be reformed as a result private markets contract farming that has been introduced by this law now when you come for the contract farming supposing some party defaults in that case there is a redressal mechanism also coalition I mean conciliation boards are there sdm has been prescribed additional collector will take the appeals etc etc the farming agitating farming community is insisting court uh, courts 
but let me tell you courts are already bogged with number of cases and this was easy way of redressal but still farming community feels that no they want this msp in no way is going to be done away msp is going to remain that is concern and that has been removed no land of the farmers can be taken that is section 13 and uh, one section 8 of this so that is also the doubt has been cleared but no one is ready to accept and in the process the people are agitating people are supporting and those people who do not have any stake in the farmers agitation they are also supporting like justin trudeau the canadian pm some of the mps from the england our own cms maharashtra and uh, delhi they are no nothing the farmers are happy over there but still everyone is supporting i don't know why this agitation is i believe hijacked and they ought to behave or ought to listen to the government and government is ready open heartedly in always to help them punjab and haryana i feel with this uh, amendments uh, should resort to more productive uh, agriculture products rather than the wheat and uh, rice because the practice is the middleman gets enough money 2.5 uh, commission paid by fci to these farmers and as a result uh, they are happy when krishi mahotsav was started by the then cm now pm mr modi in 2005 we envisage individual beneficiaries village beneficiaries and community beneficiaries the tree saplings kit distribution soil health card credit cards wadi yojana water conservation healthy livestock land reforms guidance to the farmers water conservation cooperatives environment and afforestation etc were the steps as a result what happened gujarat went into double digit growth in agriculture sector and country was trailing at near 2 or 3 now pm modi is expecting to double the farmers income by 2022 and if you want to double the farmers income the reforms are mandatory the reforms has to stay reforms will continue and there may be some small amendments or something but in my own way honestly i feel these reforms are necessary for the farming benefit for the trading community lot many new enterprise or lot many new uh, definitions have been introduced one of that is electronic trading which will be available to all of them so registering authority that is whoever enters into the contract farming it will be registered so there will not be any uh, loopholes then the traders who wants to be into the market they will have mandatory pan card to be mentioned as a result they will all be in the net of income tax or the taxation or the all the transactions are monitored what i feel the essential commodities act the stock limit has gone and government will interfere only in the case of famine war natural calamities and such other things like price rise and price rise also has been defined so in no way this act is against the farmers if one reads between the lines and truly it is for the farmers and farmers doubling income 
is now uh, in my uh, belief is sure by 2022 the farmers are doing well in other parts of the country the contract farming is going to stay and we will help farmers the future goods are being priced today so this is something miraculous and uh, the poor farmers are misguided i hope they are again on the track and go back smilingly and resort to their own practices they should diversify and uh, india has been through a lot of resilience and uh, there is strength value and a long historic culture of its resilience throughout that history india has constantly been required to innovate and modernize modernization is not an emergence of 2020 this has been done through ancient times you know uh, be it from the mughal era the alexander's era and also through the rajput era as india sets itself to be the global powerhouse for food production and export house to be a genuine food provider to this globe a modern agricultural sector is a necessity i've heard many times that change brings in energy imagine a farmer in 2 years time from his farmland in punjab with a drone australia india foreign relations shared as comprehensive strategic partnership between commonwealth of australia and republic of india the two committed commonwealth countries before independence australia and india were both a part of the british empire australia and india share political economic security and sporting ties military cooperation between australia and india includes regular joining of the naval exercise called aus index in november 2020 australia joined key regional defense partners of the quad india japan and usa for the malabar 2020 exercise Besides both being members of the Commonwealth nations both Australia and India are founding members of the United Nations and members of regional organizations including the Indian Ocean Rim Association for Regional Cooperation and ASEAN Regional Forum Australia has traditionally supported India's stand on Arunachal Pradesh which is subjected to diplomatic disputes between India and peoples Republic of China. Let's take a listen to Naveen Kapoor, who's the Chief Bureau of Asia News International, on his insights on what's happening at the Indian borders. Let's talk about all things about national security. You have been covering from Pakistan border, China's interference, and you've seen it all. You've seen the matters of Doklam. you've seen the kargil war and you've seen the foreign interference in our national security in india please share your insights on that first see as you all are aware that our borders we have such porous borders with many countries and we don't have many friends in our neighborhood especially with the china getting aggressive and pakistan continuing with its old bad tricks of infiltrating terrorists into india to 
create instability so national security i think has always remained a point of concern to us and uh, i think mr modi and the previous governments have done some taken some good steps to secure our borders but at the same time we are seeing new streak of expansionism in our neighborhood so i don't see this national security issue getting too much attention in the mainstream media because it's a until our borders are safe we are not safe we have to secure our borders by any cost india has taken couple of new steps and india is also modernizing on our borders we are modernizing our infrastructure which was lacking from last many years and we are also modernizing our weapon systems we are reforming our police we are reforming our army military we are creating new battalions in the mountain range but at the same time when i see in the foreign countries some fringe elements taking talking about our internal issues like farm protests per se it's really uh, you know unfortunate that some people are just waiting to cling on anything they can do to destabilize a great nation of ours amidst all this are also indian ocean southeast china india australia related matters and this year after 2007 for the first time in the quad scenario india and australia had the malabar exercise what are your insights on the strengthening of the quad what does this mean for the world i think quad is a very brilliant idea and it has come at a very good time when world is facing threat from a particular quarter all these are democracies all these are powerful nations of influence in their own way and uh, coming together of all of them will make a difference and it is definitely a balancing act in the region it will definitely sharpen our edge as far as national security is concerned and quad when i say it's democracy you understand what i meant there are certain countries in the region which are not playing by the rules you have seen people blocking the navigation you have seen people making false claims so i think this quad will play a very eminent role in coming days and we have seen some very very progressive statements from the leadership of all the respective countries and all have a similar interest and common interest in coming together so let's see how it pans out in future my personal feeling is that they should collaborate more and more to give a balancing act to the world india's position at the united nations stage has also evolved it's become more stronger and people listen to india in the last few years from covid-19 debacle to other terrorism matters we've always seen the interference from wrong elements in in india particularly today as we are seeing the farmer protest ongoing what do you what have you heard about the khalistani issues it's really sad because india a land where we have hindus sikhs muslims christians parsis every single genus uh, buddhist the religion uh, you know never has been that much of an issue and today we have the foreign interference overtaking influencing that in a wrong way what are your views on that first of all we it's very wrong to link any khalistani movement with the the farm protest farm protest is totally a internal issue of india and of course there all the democracies in the world all the big nations in the world they have differences nothing is you know black and white there is always if there is a issue there is a discord they don't understand and government is unable to convince farmer have all the right to ask the questions because ultimately 
this bill will affect them. Any reforms are directly impacting their pockets. Firstly, that. And Khalistani, as you said, I don't know whether they are actually, you know, they have anything to do with the farmers. They are just waiting for any opportunity, you know, to cling on and, you know, defame and try to create unrest in India. I don't see this as any relation with the farmers. Farmers are Indians and Indians, and they are very much as patriotic as anyone else. They don't need any support from outside. I think government also has clearly said that despite the fact that the laws are in now, they are ready to make any changes. They are ready to sit on the table. It's a regular natural practice in any democracy of the world. Any strong country which has come up with always hear the views, always hear, always hear the grievances. So what's wrong in that? Now Khalistanis or any fringe element supported by any intelligence agencies or anybody, they're trying to create discord using this i don't see any merit in that and i i am I'm, I'm sure world is smart enough people are smart enough they can see through why it is done and what is done and why they are doing it right now particularly in the overseas protests we've seen that there has not been any protest on or dialogue which is imminent in any discord, as you say, about the farmers' issue. It has all been anti-India protests. So it seemed disturbing to say that and really value your valuable insights. The issue remains tense between the two countries, of course, because it is still not resolved. The issue is still not resolved and both countries are in talks. And sometimes there was a glimmer of hope shown when Chinese agreed to, Chinese and Indian side agreed to go back to the status quo, which was there before the conflict began. Now, you know, there is sub-degree temperatures. I'm sure they must be, who has visited Ladakh? It's very difficult to even survive. But imagine our security people, our armies are standing to guard our borders at this minus 30, 35 degrees, where, you know, it's difficult to even breathe. And especially in the times of COVID, when, you know, it's a double whammy. But uh, this is what it is. We are in a situation uh, when another country wants to just change the geography and just change the factual situ- situation without talking. When other countries decide to be in the expanse, so you have to up your guard. And I think several rounds of talks have happened between the two countries, both militarily and also diplomatic talks are going on. Let's see if something comes out which how it pans out because it right now we are in the midst of an extreme winter. There are extremely cold situation in Ladakh and also in Jammu and Kashmir. These are the time of avalanches and you know extreme, extreme cold. Uh, the importance and the relevance of food security has again gained prominence. The focus which was on building technology, building softwares, now it has moved back to the roots. People are now moving back to the roots. You know when uh, all the sectors were ailing, only two sectors were still showing the uptick during the pandemic, which is, we are still in the pandemic. It's not over yet. But, you know, agriculture forms the base of our economy. You see, our rural economy is huge. I frankly don't have the numbers with me, but it is huge base for India. So now when government is saying, when it claims that these reforms are being made and uh, now we are getting things done in this sector, when we are bringing in new technology, these reforms are going to bring new technology to the farmers. And we are also in talks with Australia and other friends for building cold chains, building this 
we are making a strong supply chain because we saw the vulnerability of supply chain during the pandemic. We were over dependent on particular countries. So now we are diversifying and thankfully focus of the governments, focus of the private sector is now getting more and more traction in this field. So I hope, you know, these reforms and this focus brings in new technology, brings in prosperity to the, we have, you know, we must not miss the big picture in the protests or anything. We understand that there may be some grievances, but we should not also forget that still farmers are committing suicide. If everything was so good, no reforms would have needed. We definitely need some reforms in this sector so that farmers don't die of hunger, you know. So I think that food security should remain the key focus. We should not only be able to provide food to our own people in our country, but we should also become a very good exporter of high quality products, which we are quite capable of. And only thing is to optimize to use technology for a good use so that our farmers get rich, our country gets rich. And, you know, we are a, a big nation, a big powerhouse. We continue to remain our position. Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Diaspora. For more updates and the following episodes, please follow us on our social media and subscribe.